You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Natasha over here in Calgary. I think most people know that by now. Al <laughs> is over in Toronto. Maybe they don't. This is still a pretty new podcast. Yeah. Uh, week three. And Al, it's been a lot of Olympics, which I think it's awesome. I feel like this week we're really like we're, we're in it now. Um, and I this, I mean, we, we woke up, I love this Olympics because I know the hours are kind of tough for everybody and it's hard to see events live. So what's been happening is everybody wakes up to see what happened in Tokyo last night. And we get to start off the show with a bang because we both just woke up a few, well, you a lot earlier <laughs> 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 uh, to see the news that Andre de Grasse has won a gold medal in Canada in the 200 meter. Yes, so that is the kind of news that I love to wake up to. That is amazing. I was cheering so hard for him in the 100 on Sunday. Um, uh, and just to see him do it in the 200, it's, uh, it's I mean, he's, he's, he's a legend. I think that's a, a quote. He's a legend now. I thought that he wasn't a Canadian legend before, but now he's on the global stage, right? As, and the 200 and uh, the 100 is probably the sexiest event, I would say, you know, of the track and field. But the, the 200 has a certain... Something something about it as well. Back when Michael Johnson used to run it, and you know, obviously Carl Lewis ran it for a little bit. But uh, yeah, very very proud. I'm a proud Canadian today, and congratulations, uh, Andre. Gold medal. Um, I was watching open water swimming the other day. Actually, that's what I was going to talk off talk about off the top, and I forgot about it. Have you ever watched open water swimming? Uh, what? So that is out in the open water. <laughs> open water. I'm assuming no, because only reason I say that is because this morning I watched artistic synchronized swimming so i'm guessing we're talking about two different things but i want to come back to artistic synchronized swimming in a second but go ahead open water swimming well you just mentioned that sprinting or i guess the 100 meter is one of the sexier sports maybe the sexiest at the i think so then you look under or open water swimming which i was watching yesterday these i was going to call them poor athletes i mean i guess they choose to do it they were swimming in the open water i don't know what body of water it was insane but the water is churning. It looks freezing. They're battling each other um, in the water. There's boats all around to make them to make sure they don't drown. I guess <laughs> it's. I wish you had seen it because it's on a whole other other level, in my opinion. It is rough out there. I mean, I'm no swimmer, so I guess when I look at it, I'm just like, wow, I can't even believe. Yeah what they're doing but um yeah uh, you know I had, I had i had the same reaction to the uh artistic synchronized swimming this morning and it sounds really specific and, and i don't know i just never watched it before i suppose it was in the background while i was working and then eventually i was just looking at that and not looking at my computer anymore because it was like the precision and i'm thinking these girls are underwater upside down yes. synchronized like essentially swimming doing gymnastics in a synchronized fashion at the same time yep that is insanity. I mean, we again we talk about how difficult it is to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball, which I'm sure it is, right? Or to hit a you know twenty three foot jump shot, swimming while doing gymnastics in a synchronized fashion, being judged on it is out of this world. And uh, again, I, I in my older age, I have a different level of respect and appreciation for what those girls can do. And I look at you know just the strength it takes and the, the course and the combination of skills it would take to do that is yeah. uh, it, it blows my mind. How about just holding your breath too? Like as a kid, I couldn't do that. 
I loved watching synchronized. My sister and I, we were glued to the TV during synchronized swimming. And then we would go to Lake Okanagan during the summer and try to recreate all those routines. <laughs> um, yeah, but we used How to love girls. They had those little nose plugs on and we always yeah. thought they looked funny. But you're right. They are super talented. And all these Insane. sports really don't get any attention at all barely until the Olympics pop up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, swimming, open water swimming, surfing, all these things now. So it's been it's been fun. It's been a good. It has been. And I mean, I know Andre is the I mean, that's definitely just a few what hours old now. So it's the, the exciting part. But can we talk about women's soccer in Canada and the gold medal game? That is coming tomorrow that I am booking hours off of my day and setting myself as in meeting because I want to sit there and I want to focus on it because I mean, I'm, I'm chewing as hard as I can be for the, for the women's soccer. What do you think about us defeating the U.S. women's team one nothing uh, a couple of days ago? Okay, before we get into that, I know you're excited. Okay. Too, as well, I'm so excited. Failed to mention our guest, which I would like to do off the top <laughs> because she already has a medal. She's coming up. Uh, Daniel Laurie is a pitcher for the women's softball team, which just won bronze. Super pumped to see that happen. She is driving out. Um, apparently she's starting her holidays today. She's going to be in the car, but nice. she's going to the time. I can't wait to chat to her. So we're going to talk to her in a little bit, but yes, let's talk about the women's soccer team, which I mean, the storylines with all of this is so awesome. The fact that they beat the U S I mean, the revenge, the redemption factor after Absolutely. the, 2012 after that call is um, unreal. Again, like you said, it was another thing. We woke up a few days ago and Canada had won. Thank goodness. Happy to see that. So I just, yeah, the rivalry between the U S and the Canadians, I, it's just like none other, especially in women's soccer. And definitely, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Megan, I still don't know how to pronounce her name. If it's Rapino, Rapino. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah, Rapino. Um, she made some sort of comment. She never wants to lose to Canada and people were calling her a poor sport. And I, I didn't see that. At, I don't, people are, I didn't see that at all. I'm like, she's not a poor sport. I, of course she doesn't want to. What lose do you to want her to say? Yeah. What do you want her to say? Say, of course she doesn't lose to Canada. Anyways, uh, I'm happy she lost to Canada. I think it's great that the Canadian women won well-deserved and, all those people, myself included, have been going to sleep at night and watching the, or getting the results in the morning. That will not be me on Thursday. I think a lot of people no. in Canada are going to be setting their clocks for whatever time that game is on to watch Definitely. it in real time. You talked about a rivalry, and, and I was amazed to see at how little a rivalry it's really been. And I mean, the dominance of the U.S. women previous to the last, you know, last few years, especially. I saw a stat where this was the fourth Canadian win over the U.S. in 62 meetings. Right. So that's not much. That's not much of a rivalry over the past <laughs> over the first 58 of those. Um, but no, but but things are different now. Uh, and uh, I was just as happy as you seem to be that they beat the U.S. Um, it's almost like that was the the gold medal game in my mind. And Sweden's going to be a, a nice little a nice little consolation prize. Well, but I was very excited for them. And I think uh, the comments from Megan, I agree with you as well. I mean, they're professional athletes at the highest level. Uh, their drive, their, their, their kind of you know, need for competition would would mean you want to win all the time, of course. So I see nothing. Uh, I see nothing amiss with her uh, with her comments. Change the color apparently was sort of the slogan um, that the Canadians were love it kind of going by because they've won two bronzes back to back bronzes now. So they wanted to change its color. So technically, they've already done that, right? They're not. They're going to get better. Absolutely. But we don't want silver. Like no. Nope. When I say we, I mean. All I can think about really 
is Christine Sinclair. And I know that totally. team is beat up with far more players than just Christine, but after just such a storied career and just all that she's won so far and what an unreal player she is, and this will likely be her last Olympics. I mean, who knows? The woman is unreal, but this is probably it's amazing. To go out winning a gold would just be just what a story. Just oh, it's so storybook, right? It's even it's even more kind of even more so than winning a, a championship in a league. This is the, the pinnacle. This is the ultimate. So going out on top, that would be a, such an amazing story. It's such a great story for the team. And to your point, we know that there's a whole bunch of players on that team that are really, really, really important. But Christine Sinclair is deservedly right because of her experience in history is the face of that. And I think we'll all be cheering just as loudly. I'll, I'm sure I'll hear you all the way up in Calgary cheering for uh, for the women tomorrow morning. Or tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon, I think it is, actually. I, well, apparently they were discussing changing the time. We don't want to give away or give out any wrong information here, but apparently the game was initially scheduled for 11 a.m. Tokyo time, but it's been like hitting 40 degrees or something. So both really? teams were trying to get the game pushed later to the afternoon, I think, or to the evening when it apparently cools off a little bit. I'm not sure if that change has been made, but yes, okay. it is Thursday at some point. Um, so we'll see what happens there, which yeah, soccer in 40 degree weather. I mean, it felt like 40 minus 40 when I used to play on the cold fields of Edmonton, (laughs) but I imagine playing in the heat is, uh, much more difficult. So hopefully absolutely work something out. Uh, do you remember Allie when, uh, Christine broke her nose in the world cup in 2011 and wore that mask? I do not. I, I would love to say I do, but I do not. Uh, but I have YouTube, so I will find it. There you go. You need to look it up. I'm just thinking about uh, I'm just thinking about her career, and I will never forget that when it was the opening game of the World Cup. I had to look up the details yesterday myself. I just remember her wearing I, that mask. Okay, so I was going to say that's pretty impressive that, that you were able to pull that out of the top of your head. But oh, it's well, yeah. The the mask. Her wearing the mask is seared in my brain, but I always forget the details of everything. So I had to look. I remember. It up. The, I remember the mask for sure. The mask is an yeah. iconic, kind of an iconic image. I don't remember the the time associated with it, but definitely remember the mask. I just from that moment on, I was just like, this girl is such a badass, and she became one of my favorite athletes. Total badass. On, right, like breaks her nose fighting with the medical staff because she wanted to play and they wanted to get her off. She's like, no, screw that, I'm playing. And then yeah. she goes and scores a goal while wearing that mask. And I was reading an article about it yesterday, and she's like, I couldn't. She couldn't even see the ball, right? Like usually she Crazy. can have to look at it, but she had no peripheral vision with that mask, so she kind of had to look down. And she's just a beast. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And you say badass, and badass is is such a cool way to describe it. But a badass in a very Canadian way, right? Not a jerk, not you know, a badass, but badass on the pitch. And then you know, outside the lines has such a nice, pleasant. I mean, my perception anyway is nice, pleasant uh, demeanor. Um, yes. So I love the fact that you turn it on on the pitch, and then when you get off, you're you know back to being a nice Canadian. Well, it's true, and we. I mean, we were talking about Brooke Henderson last week. How. I was saying I met her and she's so soft spoken and so polite. And when she plays though, she's so competitive totally. and obviously it's the same thing with Christine. We've seen her on TV. I've met her a few years ago. So soft spoken, so delightful, but yeah, on the pitch, just, just a crazy person. Totally. Totally. I love. So yes, very Canadian and uh, man, I hope she brings home that gold medal. I hope they all bring home. I do. So can we agree that, so I know last week we introduced an oh come on moment of the week and it was a negative one last week, right? We said it was Mark Bergevin doing some stuff that he shouldn't have been doing. But this week I think we should introduce the oh come on moment of the week and it should be come on 
women's uh, Canadian soccer tomorrow, uh, and we'll all be cheering for you very, very loudly uh, and repeating the phrase, come on, looking at the TV screen tomorrow. Now, I should have asked you this before we started. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, what boy. Are what are the betting odds? Do we know on this game? You know what? I actually don't know, but I can have that information very, very, very quickly. Now, typically, the Olympics aren't huge betting markets, typically. Right. But, I mean, in a game of this magnitude, um, you can definitely find some uh, You can definitely find some, some odds on it. So, how about this? I will get back to you on that. And, with, and look, I mean, I think odds are a great expression of, you know, win probability. Never mind, you know, spit risk versus return that's one way to look at it but just yeah. in terms of an expression of uh, you know who's going to win and uh it, it's, it's kind of a great way to measure that so how about this let me get back to you very soon with that i'm going to do some quick research to make sure i'm not giving any incorrect information out there and uh but i will get back to you i mean i'm assuming it's pretty close like sweden so they won the silver in 2016 um so they're going to be very hungry to win the gold canada is the only team uh in tokyo that has not trailed for a single minute Obviously, um, they've got yeah. They both teams have great chances. So Absolutely. I don't know what else it is, but we'll we'll try and find those odds. Maybe we'll wrap up the show with. Those. We will wrap up the show with that. Okay. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. I shouldn't have done. Not that. at all. No, it's a it's a great question. I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm intrigued to see it myself now. I'm going to have my my attention diverted for the next little bit while I do my little bit of research. Okay. Well, in the meantime, uh, I think we should bring in our guest. All right. She is standing by. So let's bring her in fresh off winning a bronze medal at the Tokyo games in women's softball. We are so happy. She's here. So grateful that she took the time, uh, on her way out to vacation. Uh, Danielle, congratulations. How has the last week been? How are you feeling right now? I'm doing good. I'm trying to slowly adjust to being back to the mom mode and and everything I think it's it's kind of crazy going from like such a high which a lot of Olympians go through and then you just kind of go back to normal and it's almost as if it didn't happen so it's like you're trying to like mourn that or it's almost as if you I've been using this reference because I've heard a lot of other Olympians talk about it it's like you you are a drug addict and then it's just like done you know like that high of all of it um and it really is a a real thing that a lot of us go through and it's not to say I'm depressed because that is by no means what I am but you just it's crazy to go from one extreme to just the next and you just close that chapter um there's not really any way to deal with it besides just grinding wiping butts getting back to reality (laughs) (laughs) so when does okay so 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 when did that happen did that happen after your event was done or after you left, you found you left the environment of the Olympic, which, which was it? uh... Yeah, honestly, like we had to get shipped out of there so quickly with like, right after you win that medal. So it was like 24 hour turnaround. We didn't even get to celebrate as a team, you know, do anything. And I think that was almost sad too. Cause it's like, you didn't get to explore that with your team. Cause I remember in 08, like we didn't medal, but we at least got to like have some drinks and have some fun because it's, you deserve that after that much stress and that much workload that goes oh, into it goodness. to be able to do that as a team. So we didn't get to, to do that, but probably I started to kind of feel like, whoa, this is weird. Like as soon as I got home and I was like, now I have to sleep with someone in my bed. Like now I have to, <laughs> I'm on call at all times. Like it's, was 73 days of being gone. Um, so just trying to adjust back to that has been interesting. And I know a couple other teammates are just kind of feeling that same, like mourning something. Um, 
it's, yeah, it's just a little strange. Interesting. Very, that makes a ton of sense though. Um, do you feel like there must be still a little bit of momentum though, right? Like, like family media requests, autographs, are you being inundated with that kind of stuff with the attention? Yeah, for sure. No, people are, people are awesome with it. I think especially like to be able to do that for Canada, to make history for our country, like it, it really reminds me a lot of when I was a part of that national championship team with Washington in 2009 and we won the first ever national championship for softball, like for the state of Washington, it was literally the biggest deal. And I feel that exact same way, but 10 times better for our country. Right. So it's like, you know, that you're not only riding that high, that there are so many people that have continuously reached out and just said how amazing watching our team was and how connected we seemed. And there's been a lot of moms that have reached out that are just like, blown away with the fact that like I was able to do that and be as open and honest as I have been throughout this whole journey. But I just hope that it kind of opens up those floodgates for especially the moms to know that whatever it is they want to do, they can, but to also show a lot of these young women that don't have an Olympic opportunity for softball in 2024, that you can play at an old age. Like there was a lot of us that were, you know, 33, 34, 35, Laura Bay was almost 40. So I think that it also shows that it doesn't matter how old you are, if you still want to pursue this game and put forth that work, you can compete in your 30s. And that was definitely not something that a lot of women usually quit and or retire and kind of start the family and move on to the next phase. So why did you make that decision to come out of retirement at age 30 back in 2017? Like what kind of, what kind of thinking and, and decision was that? Yeah, I, I really remember listening to Michelle Smith make that comment on ESPN um, in July of 2017. And I remember hearing her say, like, she was at her best as an athlete at 34, 35, right? And for me, like, at 30 years old, I had two kids. Audrey was nine months old. Maddie was three. Like, I had a, a lot of action going on. But I think in the back of my mind, like, I really remembered how hard that 2008 Olympic experience was for me and there were so many things on a personal level that I wish that I could have been completely different and done differently and I saw this as an opportunity to obviously show my kids that if I set that that bar and that goal for something that I want to do and I want to achieve like I fully have to stand behind that and put forth the effort to be as elite as I can be at my age um so I feel fortunate that I was able to put the hay in the barn and get it done and hear Michelle Smith say that one day um, in 2017, because I don't think that I would have pursued it if I didn't hear her say that. Um, and it is true. Like you're at your best in your mid thirties because the life experience that you gain is what makes you truly love the game more. Cause you have to sacrifice time away from your family, time away from all of these different things to be great at this. So if I'm going to be great at it, like I'm going to put forth the best effort that I can to hopefully win an Olympic medal, but sacrificing time away from my family wasn't easy. So I'm all in. Um, and I'm really happy that I made that decision. Obviously it was a hard four years. I wouldn't do it again, but I'm thankful that I did it. So in 2008, I was reading there after the loss um, at the games, your teammates locked you out of your room and you referred to yourself in this article. <laughs> Can you sort of just explain yeah. that a little bit? And you talked about being at your best in your thirties, just the, the growth, I guess that happened since 2008. Yeah. 
lots of growth. 21 at the Olympics. That is young. Wow. Um, honestly, like I have always been a competitor. Like that is what I've always brought to the table. But back when I was younger, you know, going to Washington, like I had only ever known the role of me being the one, me being that one that has the ball in my hand, me being the one that throws in the big games. And in 08, like Laura Bay was kind of our, our ace, right? She threw majority of the innings. She was significantly older, had an Olympics under her belt. And me at 21, not fully like understanding how to, to deal with that was, was where I was at. Like we also had to deal with, like we couldn't see any other Olympic sports. And I'm sure you guys know my brother was there for team Canada baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't go to watch any of his baseball games. Like we were tied down. And I remember after we won that, um, one to go to the medal round. And the one thing I remember, Lori Simple, she called me into her room that night. And she's like, you're going to start the Australia game. And I remember I had this light bulb moment of all the SHIT you go through <laughs> to put you in these certain moments where it's like, all right, this is my time. And I was like, dang, I'm going to have an opportunity to hopefully win Canada's first medal ever. And I've been through so much with this team and I know they don't always like, like me, but this is my moment. Manly prepared all night, like did my visualization, everything I'd done with Ken Revisa, the sports psychologist, who is just the man. Um, and I remember getting up the next day, going down the elevator. Simple was in the elevator and she just looked at me and she was like, yeah, sorry, you're not starting anymore. We're going to phase going out there. And I honestly remember like my 21 year old self having zero understanding of how to deal with the emotions of that. And all of a sudden it was like, don't cry, don't cry. But as soon as we got down to the bus, like I remember pulling Jen Salling aside, who's obviously one of my closest friends. And I just remember saying, like, I'm crushed right now and I don't know how to deal with it. And she said, obviously, we still have an Olympic medal to try to go win and be as present as you can. And I was a, a bad teammate. Like, I was more about myself in that moment than I ever should have been. And the reason why I got locked out of my, my room that night was because after that game, we lost that bronze medal game. and It was a dagger. And I remember going to the family and friends area after Coach Tar was there with Washington. I wrapped my arms around her, and I remember saying, like, there is no way we won't win a national championship. And I just held on to her. And then I went and saw my parents and my grandma and my dad and mom were like, do you want to just come with us to go to Brett's baseball game? This is not a big – I'm not proud of this moment, but I just said, yep, yeah, let's go. I, I didn't tell the team. I just peaced out. I went with my mom and dad. I had my Team Canada uniform on, and I drank beers in the stands, and I bawled my <laughs> eyes out. And it was, like, the most emotional time for me because it was – I had went through so much adversity but didn't understand how it was all going to benefit me in the long run. And in that moment, I just felt like I was where I needed to be with my mom and dad, watching my brother, having beers with my grandma, enjoying the moment. And when I got back to the village, um, I, I didn't have like my key because we only had one per thing and they wouldn't let me back in. Luckily, I was sitting out front of where we were at. And Rob Gibson, who's a, a good buddy, Ontario boy, Team Canada rower, Washington rower, uh, was an alternate in 08. And his team had just won a silver medal and he's came over and he said, do you want to stay with us? Like we, we have plenty of space. So I ended up actually staying with Robbie that night and yeah, that's how that all worked out. (laughs) So crazy. Way different now. I'm way different now. (laughs) To get that kind of insight is, is really, really cool. Cause you know, you read the story and you see, and you see stuff, but to get the the insight of how you're feeling it. I mean, you're a 21 year old girl exposed to that level of pressure and that level of, you know, just, public you know kind of 
perception and stuff. It's, I, I think you're being a little hard on yourself, and it's amazing to hear the growth. And now contrast <laughs> that with this with, with this year. I know you said it's been a lot different. Obviously, you can't celebrate with your teammates, uh, but just yeah. from an emotional perspective, how you know how was how was that feeling when that medal gets put on your around your neck? I mean, I can't imagine the emotion that goes through. What was the first thought across through your head when that happened? Well, before we talk about that, like when you, when we threw that last pitch and we got to celebrate together as a team, like it gives me goosebumps sitting in the car right now because there's been very few moments in my life where time stands still. And there's that like, wow, what else is going on in the world? Nothing else matters but this moment. And it was when my children were born, when we won the national championship in 09. And when that moment with Canada happened, like that's top on my list. But it's not top of my list if we don't work to the level that we did as a team. Like, we are such a selfless team. And, like, the amount of work that went in, especially when the world was in trouble with the pandemic, like, those were some of our own individual darkest days. But to get up and still grind for the better of the team, like, that, those are all the, like, highlight reels that flash through your head in a moment like that because you just – know how much you respect the process and you respect the grind. And if you do what you're supposed to do, the game doesn't know who's supposed to win. That's the hard part about sports, right? So it's like, what are you willing to do to put yourself in that situation that you hope things align and the stars align in those moments and time stood still. And when we got to stand and get up on that podium, like being able to get that medal from Sarah G around my neck and like, look at that. Like it's We had John Herdman with team Canada soccer um, from 2012 Olympics come and talk to us a couple of years ago. And what he mentioned about the medal when team Canada soccer received it was that like, ultimately it's just like a piece of tin. Like it's not, it's not anything that is too big or too small. Like it's really cool right now, but in 15 years, it's just going to be an Olympic medal. But when you look at it, like what makes it so special? Why is that the most special thing that you could possibly have? And it's because what we did to get that is priceless. That's like, where you build character and figure yourself out and have hard conversations. And truly you don't know how you're able to do the things you do. But when you look down at that, you're like, damn straight, I deserve this. We deserve this. And it was by far the proudest moment in sport for me because I had to go through so much in 08 and to be so different was the coolest thing because it just shows life experiences takes time. That's the only thing where you can grow. Um, was proudest moment by far the game doesn't know who's supposed to win is an amazing statement fyi mm-hmm. i just wrote that so down true. yeah, that, yeah that, that's so cool that's so true so that that <laughs> loss in 2008 obviously hit you really hard it sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself when you're trying to get those final two outs against mexico is that running through your mind at all or are you still locked into yes. the moment are you thinking about 08 what is going through your mind those last let's say three to five minutes during those final couple out or 10 minutes, whatever. Seriously. Yeah. Like when I went in, in the fifth inning and it was tied or I think it was tied two two because they scored off Jenna. And then I came in with, with two out and a run out first and third. And when my name was called from the pen and I'm running out, I'm like, we are going to win or lose this game based on me because that's the pressure of a pitcher. Like the reality is when you're the one out there, you give up a home run, you lose. So it is my job ultimately to do everything in my power to shut this down. And that was, it was honestly everything and anything going through my head as far as like, you know, the sacrifice for my kids, seeing my kids' faces, seeing myself walking off a plane with a medal, like that has to happen. 
um, thinking about how hard as a team, the fitness testing, the stuff that was like, you're questioning your life. Those are things that like you go through your mind because you have to be able to like steady the heart rate, steady the feelings that you feel. Cause it's, it's the most nervous that I've ever been, but not nervous to where I changed my performance nervous to the point where I had to say to myself, like the game's no different. You're in control of what you need to do. Remember like what you've done to get to this point. So it's being able to take that deep breath and be able to just say like, Hey, you're the one that's in control. And it was really cool because I felt like it lasted so long, but it really was such, such a short amount of time in that moment. But me, man, I was cruising in that last inning, probably the hardest I'd thrown in a really long time. Um, so it's just fun to like feel that adrenaline. It's like, that's the reason sports are so great. Not everyone loves those moments of high pressure, those moments where your heart's pounding, like all of those things. Like that's why I chose to go back to feel that again. And those are the feelings that I will miss now that I'm retired because it's, you train your ass off in your whole entire life for small moments in the game where you hope you can step up. And I just felt really fortunate to be in that moment, be where my feet were at, be able to turn to Jen and Raph and have all our people and huddle up together and just know that we did something historic. Um, we did it together. And the women that I was able to do that with are lifelong friends that I would not have gone back to play the game if they were not still playing. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, that is not <laughs> person to, to want that pressure to thrive in that kind of pressure i mean that's what sets you apart from a lot of other people right that is uh that is unreal can you uh, talk a little bit obviously um every athlete makes sacrifices when they're trying to go to the olympics but i think it's a different i would assume it's a little bit different when you have a family especially when you have yeah. children. you didn't see them for 73 days when you were gone but even just the last four years can you explain what those sacrifices are like yeah. Wow. Um, you really figure out who's on your team and who's not like you figure out those people that will do everything in their power to help your family, even though they're not the ones that are going to be there, especially with them saying that you couldn't have fans. Right. Cause I was going to have my people there. Um, we were really, really fortunate to have this nanny come over from the au pair program. Like the first year I went back to play, we, we did not have a good nanny. It was, it was horrible. Um, so that kind of put, I didn't think that I was going to understand how much of a struggle it would be on my marriage the first year back. Um, because it was just me going all the time and the pressure of my husband having to hold it down. Um, Audrey had the popcorn in her lung the first year. So she had emergency Ooh. surgery. She broke her wrist that summer. So there was so many ups and downs where I was like, man, I don't know if like, this is worth it because the Olympics was still so far away. Um, but we found that nanny from um, Brazil and she came over and she has literally been like the second mom to my children. She has been the, the big reason as to why I've been able to do this uh, besides obviously my husband, because my mom and dad haven't been able to come down and help with the pandemic. Um, but like you just find those people that are selfless. But the hard part is that there was a lot of lonely hours that Olympians have to spend that no one sees what they're doing. And those are the defining moments of what separates the good and the great. Like it's easy in a pandemic to say like, man, I don't want to do it. Like I don't need to do it. It's five o'clock. I'm ready for some wine. Like all, like all of these things. But what I truly had to realize was that like my time is ending in this sport. And now that we have another opportunity 
to train and be better. This is our time and my time to say like, what else can I bring to the table? And not a lot of people know this, but like when I went back to play, especially over the course of the last year and a half, like I developed a drop ball that I've been working my whole entire life to try to get, and I've never been able to get it. And I would spend two to three days a week at DBAT throwing into a net for 45 minutes to an hour, literally working on this pitch. And pretty much the last two innings of that Mexico game, we must have thrown eight to 10 drop balls and pretty much all those strikeouts were on that pitch. And it's just like, to be able to know that like hard work and sacrifice of countless hours of doing that, that's not fun doing that. But then in that moment in time, in one of the biggest games of my entire life, like that pitch came to play because of the respect that you put into that process to learn it. And it's just little things like that. So it's the the sacrifice that we all have to make that not a lot of people want to make, but you learn who's in your corner. Um, And another reason why it was just such a proud moment is just because when you finally get to finish up and you get that Olympic medal, it's you, you look down and see all the people that have helped get you to this space. It's by no means just me and this team. It's, it's a, you know, a, a football field size amount of people that have helped supported, loved and did everything that they can um, to put me in the position that I could be. And I know everyone else on our team had those loyal people. We're no one without them. Um, so it was, it's been a long four years of a lot of hard, different things, but man, I couldn't be more proud to be able to close that chapter knowing I left no stone unturned throughout my whole journey in this sport. And I left the game better than I found it. And I worked harder than I ever thought I could at the age of 34. And that will hopefully better my kids some way in the future to know that if they think, you know, a base is loaded one out pitching and the circle is hard on Maddie, she doesn't know what hard is until, you know, she's, she's seen mom grind. So it's hopefully all of these things that will help better them with whatever it is they choose to do in their life. Awesome. Uh, very cool. I think uh, final question for you. You talked a little bit about uh, the moments on the fields, but what will you remember um, off the field from Tokyo? Such a bizarre games with the pandemic and everything. What do you remember or what stands out to you from that? Um, number one, I think it will really be like how sweet the people were putting that event on. Like when you talk about just selfless people, volunteers, like so sweet, caring about you more than themselves. Like that's really what it was. Like the volunteers and the people that would stand and clap for us when we would leave our translators that would tell us and help us with anything we needed. Like that's the behind the scenes stuff that people don't really ask about, nor do they care about. But, those events don't run without them. And I just, the amount of videos I have of these sweet fans lining the hallways, like that would give me goosebumps walking down. Like I remember that would always find a way to make a connection with them, whether I would hand out the Canada pins or just like lock eyes with them and say, thank you. Because, you know, the older you get, you appreciate the smaller things more than the bigger things. And it's just things like that. Um, to be able to go into the village on day one and see how happy and excited my teammates were that had never been to an Olympic games before and how giddy they were was like the mom in me lit up because I was like, I feel so fortunate. I did get to experience what it was like in 2008. Um, But to know that the women on my team have been grinding some of them for 10, 11, 12 years without an Olympic games. And this moment finally is here for them. 
like I was so proud for them and that we had got there and that they get to experience this and ignorance is bliss to them. They don't know what, what it was in 08, nor do they care because this is their Olympic experience. And it was amazing. So I was so happy to see them and be a part of it for them. And, and what it was for me too was crazy special, but um, I was more so happy for everyone else than I was for me in those first couple of days because I know how special it is to finally get there and how robbed softball has felt from, you know, 2012 and 2016. So there's almost more pressure on these games than any other. Um, and competitively, it was by far the, the most competitive Olympics ever uh, as far as team talent. But it was just so special. Um, and I'm still on a high from it. And I know our team is just, it was one of the best teams that I've ever been a part of. Amazing. Yeah, that's uh, quite a journey. I mean, they say you have to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened. Um, man, thank you for joining us. This was, I'm going to be thinking about this conversation all day. <laughs> process, right? They say, that's what they yes. say uh, works. Yes. And you just uh, described it right there. So congratulations again on the bronze medal. We are all so proud of you. Um, enjoy your vacation. Have fun with your kids. Enjoy being a mom. Um and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Al, I feel like after that conversation with Danielle, I am ready to just like go tackle the day. Like you can just hear the passion in her voice. She's so fierce. Um, and just all the work that she's put in and all these other athletes and just... I, I don't know. Everything she said, I was just, I was riveted. There's just the moments when, you know, she, she loves that pressure as a pitcher, which yeah. I mean, you can't be a pitcher if you don't want that spotlight, right? That position is not for me, but it's amazing. <laughs> somebody else talk about it in the way that she did. That was, wow. That was great. It was, you know what? Passion is one word. I would say intense. Like, awesome. you know, you could see the, how the demeanor switched a little bit when she started talking about, baseball versus or sorry softball versus you know other stuff you oh, just yeah. i don't know i don't know about you saw but the, the, you see the intensity ratchets it up a little bit it's fairly cool to see i don't i bet you it wasn't even intentional right it's just a kind of a natural reaction that when you get into that mode it's it, it, but it's pretty cool to see it so drastically switch on and off so i was i was in a, a very very fun conversation for sure well and i wonder if too and she said it right off the top when i asked how she was feeling about things that she's still on a high and they haven't had a chance to celebrate the same way other athletes would, right? I think as soon as they that's were right. done, they were whisked home, which is really unfortunate. That's, I feel like that's a bit of a loss. Like she said, she's mourning it. Like, of course she's still on a high. Like, I don't think totally. she, teammates have been able to properly celebrate it all out of them. So of course her body is probably like still on and she's just, just over the moon still. That might take a well, while to come down. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, imagine how how disappointing that would be, right? You've gone through this journey for however many months and years. It sounds like, in some to, to some level, and you've you know kind of accomplished what you want to accomplish. You're part of this exclusive group of Olympians, and you can't even you know celebrate it properly with those who helped you get there. I, I could I can understand how it would be very disappointing, and uh, uh, I didn't realize that within 24 hours they were kind of shipped out of there pretty quickly. I guess it makes sense, right? I mean, the precautions have to be taken, uh, but I never think about, I hadn't thought about the impact to the kind of celebrations, right, of, of, of those who win and, and how limited they can actually celebrate with those that they got there. But so yeah, very enlightening conversation. Again, the, the distinction between this Olympics versus past ones is, uh, is as dramatic as ever. Yeah, absolutely. 
Speaking okay. of winners, hang on. Speaking of winners, because you asked me a question earlier that I didn't have an answer to, and I want to answer you now. Um, okay. So we had talked a little bit about Canada women's soccer, and I have done a little research and found some reputable uh, odds here. So the Canadian women are very slight underdogs. So what happens in betting is, in soccer betting specifically, it's called three-way betting. So you have a home, a way, and a draw, because a draw is such a, a, a plausible outcome in soccer. So in this case, the draw right now is the kind of highest payout at plus 120. Um, uh, the Canadian women are minus 110 to win the game. And I'm not sure if you have any idea what this minus 110 means. Uh, Sweden is minus 135. Now, what we can do is get into a whole explanation of how betting odds work and what minus 110 versus minus 135 means. But you can take from this, Canada is a slight underdog um, in the game against Sweden. So I did, I, that's what I thought. When I saw the numbers, I thought, okay, that means that Sweden is the favorite to win. But how they arrive at those numbers um, and just the difference between like how much of an underdog, all of that, I don't know. So we will we will have to have like a betting 101. Let's do it. We need to do that on the show at the end of every I show. Think, you know what? That's actually a really good idea. We can absolutely do that and answer some of the basic questions that come along with betting and betting terminology. And, you know, there's also a very geo-specific element to it as well so things are called certain things in europe and they're called different things in north america so i think we should begin that learning process for yourself and as well as any of those listeners who, who may want to uh, understand it a little bit more okay but at this point we know that the canadians are slight underdogs which i don't mind being underdogs i Not think it's just going to light a fire even more under those girls they don't care that they're underdogs they're going to be just fine. So yes, can't wait for that gold medal game. We have chatted a long time. We've had Danielle on for quite a while, but we didn't, we were going to talk Raptors now. We barely had a chance to even. Oh. Do you want to weigh in on that? How, how you can we do it quickly? Because I am a Raptors guy. I'm a, I'm a basketball fan. I'm a Toronto boy. Uh, and I am sad to see Kyle Lowry leaving yes. Toronto. Uh, I think it's for the best of the team. I think it's right. I think it's in all capacities. It works out well. Kyle gets to go make three, sorry, uh, 90 million over three years uh, and live in South Beach and I think that wouldn't have been an unwise investment for the Raptors given the state we're in uh, Miami is a lot closer to you know kind of winning right now so it, it's sad to see him go he is the groat the greatest Raptor of all time for sure I know DeMar has a, a case to be made and Kawhi for sure but I'm of the opinion that Lowry is, is the best Raptor we've ever seen and he'll be sad to see him go and I'll be cheering as hard as I possibly can against him when they play the Raptors, but I'll be cheering for him when, uh, you know, when he's, uh, when he's on the court against anybody, but the Raptors. Um, but we'll see, this is going to be interesting. There's next few weeks now, right? Cause now this, I, this looks like we're clearing some cap space and that means that, you know, are we entering rebuilding mode? Are we entering kind of sweepstakes for another big name free agent? So these next few weeks as a Raptors fan are going to be very, very, very exciting. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about the Raptors over the next, uh, next few weeks. It is a different looking, now, isn't it like it just that lack of huge, huge superstar? I guess I'm not sure you can really put Fred up there yet or Pascal, mm -hmm. but there's no Kyle now, there's no Kawhi, there's no Damar. It's a different kind of team to me, it's a yeah. different kind of vibe. Sure. So I think you're right, it's going to be interesting to see what the Raps do, uh, going forward to see how uh, Barnes fits in there, who they just drafted. Uh, so, yeah, lots of question marks for the Raptors, but but. Good stuff, I think. I don't think anyone's really worried about this team. No. Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, as us Raptors fans like to say, in Maasai, we trust. 
Yes. Uh, right. That man is the best GM by far. Maybe not in basketball, maybe in, in sports overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like he has a plan. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm anxious to see how that plan rolls out. But it's interesting that the points you make about Pascal Siakam having to become Batman now, effectively, right? He was always Robin before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're and we're paying him like Batman. So now the onus is going to be on on Pascal to, to be Batman. But, you know, uh, I have a lot of faith in him and I have a lot of faith in the organization in the front office. I think we'll put together a, a, a pretty good team. I don't know if I have as much faith in Pascal as you do, but that's probably a, a conversation for another time. I don't know. I think he's we'll not... See. He has some things to prove, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens down the line. Okay, Al, thanks for this. Uh, lots of Olympic talk, a little bit of Raptors, like we said. Uh, we're fired up for that soccer game on Thursday. Absolutely. And, yeah. Go, uh, great go, talk. Canada. go Canada. Great talking to you, Natasha, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Bye, everybody. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on.